You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I'm Tim Donnelly, Robbie Vogler here as well. Uh, As I mentioned, there's no Tides game tonight, so there will be no Tides broadcast. So we have a full 757 at six. Here's the deal. Yesterday we talked about uh we talked about Greeny's new book. I don't know why I couldn't think of Greeny. Uh Mike Greenberg's new book with Hembo, What's Your Number, all those kind of things. Is that what it's called? Get your number. Get your number. What's your number's pickup line? Uh <laughs> uh, where they talk about owning numbers. And, and yesterday I asked for some help. I desperately want, I haven't read the book yet. Uh, I desperately wanted to find a number that a 757 athlete would own because the whole book is about they take numbers 1 through 100 and each number is owned by an athlete, whether it's you know Michael Jordan owning 23 like it's his jersey number or whether it's um, you know, I'm, I'm certain Joe DiMaggio owns 56 with the, the hit streak, right? Or Wilt Chamberlain owns 100. I desperately wanted to find a number a 757 athlete would own. And the best one I could come up with yesterday was Iverson in three. And I I recognized that there were others that would claim three. Babe Ruth, Dale Earnhardt, a couple, right? But I thought cultural impact, how many other great players wore number three because of Iverson, right? Like CP3 Where's three because of Allen Iverson, Dwayne Wade because of Allen Iverson, Anthony Davis because of Allen Iverson. So I was like, we could kind of like multiply and count all of those towards one. The text line, again, and I asked you to help me. I said, help me find the 757 athlete that owns uh, a number. Uh, The text line very, very emphatically let us know that it is Dale Earnhardt who owns number three. Um, You did not allow, you didn't even, and you didn't make me feel good about my, my, my case. Right, it was it was borderline like the uh, the judge in Billy Madison. Right, you, you're at no point in your long winded meandering answer did you make any sense? And we are all more stupid having listened to it or whatever it is. Um, so fine, all right, give me another number. Some of you did. I have the good ones in front of me. Um, y'all really wanted Mike Vick to be seven. There was there was quite a few saying he he owned seven. I have to be honest, Mickey Mantle, Ronaldo, Elway, I don't know if Mike Vick's even making the top three. Like I, he Obviously, you can bring him up in the conversation. He, it's kind of like this. <laughs> Mike Vick with seven is like uh, Bill Russell in who's the greatest of all time conversations. Nobody actually thinks he's the greatest of all time, but you have to like just ceremonially bring his name up. It's like, who's the GOAT? LeBron. No, no, no. It's Jordan. No, it's definitely Kareem. Someone's always like, what about Bill Russell? And everyone goes like, well, yeah, Bill, Bill's good. But what about Michael Jordan? And everyone's just like, all right, good. He got his name mentioned. 
That way we can say he's arguably the greatest of all time because he was in the argument. Mike Vick's not there for seven. I thought this one was interesting until I brought it up to a friend. Ricky Rudd, 10. Because I thought 10 was actually a pretty difficult one. We, we were talking about it, right? There was like Eli, and that's not it. And, the, and, and there was a pretty good argument in the text chain for Ricky Rudd. I don't follow NASCAR, but the texter seemed confident. So I, before coming on the air with it, as I often do, I have like certain people in my life that I can reach out to like, hey, is this a dumb NASCAR take before I go on air with it? Like, hey, am I missing something? You're a NASCAR fan. Um, and they actually, surprisingly, their fandom overlaps soccer and NASCAR. So I was like, before I go on with like Ricky Rudd, number 10, am I missing something? And they said, yeah, Pele. And I went, oh, all right, cross off Ricky Rudd. So now we're over all of them. Uh, here's one that I thought was interesting. It's not from the 757, but ties to. Could Justin Verlander own 35? I couldn't think of any record that was 35, right? And I, and I, I know that they'd averaged more points than, like, I don't think 35 than, like, averaging that many points in basketball. I don't think there's ever been a, a a significant record that was 35. The best other options are like Kevin Durant in OKC or Frank Thomas. Is that's all I could come up with for for famous 35s? Verlander's got an MVP, a Cy Young, a World Series. He might own 35. Now, if I had to guess how Greeny's book goes they'd probably go the clever route and find someone else like, oh, 35, you wouldn't expect it to be. But I think if you're just going like on the nose, obvious answers, I think it might be Verlander with 35. And by the way, that might be advantage of picking a number that nobody else wants. Like in the NFL, you wear 35 until you have enough clout to go to the equipment staff and say, can I get a good number? Like in in college football, you wear 35 when you are a true freshman walk-on, and then once you earn your scholarship, you ask for a better number. Nobody wears 35 like because it's awesome, except for Verlander. Obviously, that guy, when he goes, he's making $43 million a year. He could ask for any number he wants. He's 35. He's rocking with it. So 35, Justin Verlander, again, maybe not technically a 7.57 athlete, but he at least passed through. He's a VA athlete from Virginia, played at Old Dominion. Can we like adopt it? Can we can we grandfather it in? I don't I don't mind that uh, at all. Honorary seven five seven. And then we got a couple texts saying Kenny Easley, uh NFL safety, went to Oscar Smith, I believe UCLA also, uh owned forty five. I think that's a little local bias. I I a quick Google search brings up Archie Griffin, two time Heisman Trophy winner. Bob Gibson. Pedro Martinez, there's some there's some good 45s. But also, I was thinking about this one. Michael Jordan might own a 45 also. When he came back and he wore the 45 for like 10 games or whatever it was, and like, I mean, in the 45, scoring double nickels, 55 in the garden against the Knicks, that might be more iconic than anything anyone else has done in 45. So anyway, it was a long conversation. I think we're going to have to... I'm the only one we have a chance with as far as a 757 athlete owning a number between 1 and 100, I think it's Verlander with 35. If you can think of anything better, I'm still open to it. 757-687-9494 is the text line. 
Can you think of a number between one and a hundred, or including one and a hundred, that someone from the seven five seven would own? So I, I can't confirm. I don't I don't have the book yet, but I have listened to countless interviews mm-hmm. with Greeny. Lawrence Taylor is fifty six. Okay. He is uh, and I, I did mention that one yesterday. I wasn't sure if it was I assumed that was going to be DiMaggio. It's but it was it was between him and him. I don't I don't know if DiMaggio's in his book for for his I think five. I mean, the, the, but the, Lawrence Taylor is this, fifty-six because, yeah. F- to me, five is. You can't like the 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 Yankees have enough. Gr- then, three can't be Ruth. Seven can't be Mantle. If five is Demacia, seven is seven is not Mantle. Is it Elway? It is Elway. Wow, I don't know a lot, but I know it's certain ones that here and there that are sparked out. But I do know that Elway is seven, and Lawrence Taylor is fifty-six. Okay. So we got one. We got we got Lawrence Taylor. We did, yes. I see I chalked that up as a as a no shot. I I mean Joe DiMaggio's fifty game fifty six game hit streak is It's surprising, I agree. Not saying Lawrence Taylor's not maybe the best defender of all time. It's just I think he, he's known for like when you talk about Lawrence Taylor, I don't think you bring up his jersey number first. I think when you talk about Joe DiMaggio, I do think one of the first things you say is the hit streak and like probably right after Marilyn Monroe. Tim Donnelly show was earlier today. Right now it's the seven, five, seven at six. If you have a number that a seven, five, seven athlete owns, we want to hear from you. Seven, five, seven, six, eight, seven, nine, four, nine, four is the call in line. And you can check out that, uh, you can check out that book, which by the way, we're going to re-air the conversation we had with, with Greeny from earlier this week, uh, in a few minutes. When we come back though, I think we need to start a ground grassroots grassroots movement. We need to get Joe Bryant Jr. in the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. Stick around. Every weeknight, giving you all you need to know about high school and college sports in the 757. It's the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I'm Tim Donnelly. Robbie Vogler here as well. 78 Bruce Smith might get in the mix. 78 Bruce Smith might get in the mix. I I consider his sack total, because he's the all-time leading in career sacks, to be more like the number I associate him with. But jersey number 78, there's not a lot of 78s out there. So maybe, maybe 78. Uh, and then you have Lawrence Taylor, 56, 78 for, uh, for Bruce Smith. Just... Just if you sack the quarterback and you're from the seven five seven, you got a shot. I got the book waiting on my front doorstep, so oh, really? I'll, I'll report back on Monday. All right, there we go. Uh, we'll see how we'll see how it uh, reacts. We did talk about Bruce Smith yesterday, but we're getting some texts. Obviously, not everybody listens to every show every single day. What are you doing, people? I know, uh, but just to to clarify, that is definitely an option. Um, I want to quickly make a make a a second here, like a like I second that. Robert Jones, head coach, Norfolk State, tweeted out, we need two-time MEAC Player of the Year, NABC Reese's All-Star Game MVP, Joe Bryant in the PIT Basketball Tournament. That's the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. I think there should be, and and the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament, we've given away tickets all all week. They're an awesome event, uh, bring a lot of excitement to the area, a lot of, uh, you know, basketball movers and shakers to the area. We're very appreciative. I think there should be like a uh, a local slot you know what i mean i feel like this happens occasionally in sporting events where there's like 
you know, the the there's 64 players, eight teams of of eight. I feel like there needs to be like three slots in addition to that. Make it 67. There are guys from here, played for one of the local schools, grew up here. They have a reason, a connection to Portsmouth. And then, you know, injury fill-ins or, you know, a couple teams get an extra guy, whatever it is. Um, it should be just like Joe Bryant Jr. I feel like he should be in there. By the way, Joe Bryant, this, this isn't like a pity case or a charity case. Joe Bryant Jr. is a stud, right? He is a two-time conference player of the year. He, he, I mean, I have his stats in front of me. We could run through them. He averaged 18 points, four and a half rebounds, three assists, two steals, and half a block. Like, the guy can play. And, you know, I don't know if he'll end up with, with many NBA options. He'll end up make like, his career can be basketball if he wants it to be. Right, might involve going overseas or, or, or things along those lines. Could definitely be a G League guy trying to work towards a, a bigger and loftier goal. I think he would fit in. Right, the only reason that that one of the local college stars shouldn't be invited is if you think he would slow the game down. Right, if you think he would, um, you know, for lack of a better term, stick out for not being of the level of the other players. And I don't think you're going to get that, right? He he is a five-year player at, at the college level. Um, you know, I firmly believe if he wanted to, especially at, before this past year, if he wanted to go portal and like the portal is a thing, right? Okay. The portal is a thing. Let's just acknowledge it. Let's, let's talk about it. If he would have portaled out of Norfolk State after his, you know, kind of first senior year, and gone and, and played in the ACC and been maybe not the conference player of the year, but a contributor. If he would have gotten an invitation to the tournament then, I think you got to give him an invitation to the tournament now. I want to give less and less and less reasons for players to think they need to transfer from mid-majors or from from lesser uh lesser quote unquote, and that's you know, lesser not in quality, but in reputation. Uh, conferences, right? If, if a guy like Joe Bryan Jr. doesn't get the opportunities to go ahead and uh, showcase his skills to everybody he can to play professionally, then the next Joe Bryan Jr. isn't going to stick around for a second back of back-to-back MEAC Players of the Year. He's going to win a couple of awards and immediately cash in that currency to go to a school that, you know, because it has that school next to his name is more likely to get into things like the combine or the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament or other showcases. So now I'm just, I'm, I'm, if you're going to complain about the portal, you need to do the things that make the portal not the best option. You know what I mean? And, and as somebody, you know, I, I talk about my time at Delaware often, uh, cause I, I really appreciate it. Four years, same school. Um, I've seen quite a few, on the basketball side more where come in CAA rookie of the year next year you're at St. John's next next year CAA rookie of the year again new guide next year at South Carolina next year CAA rookie of the year next year somewhere else and and I'm I'm like man it would have been really fun to have all three of those guys on the team at the same time which is what should have happened but I also understand why they went to these other bigger name programs live out their dreams, have better opportunities, maybe set themselves up for a future playing professional basketball. Um, so I, I just, 
Like I almost go out of my way to make sure the mid majors have their 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 voice a Norfolk State an ODU whatever whatever a William and Mary a Richmond have their 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 players praised because if you don't make sure they get praised you're not going to have players there very long. Every good player is going to cash in their their ticket and and see you later. Which is it the end of the world? No, but it's just it's less fun. Right? It's less fun. And, and I'm, what are sports supposed to be? Competitive, cutthroat, diehard, but also, but also fun. So uh, let's get Joe Bryant to the PIT. Whatever, wh- whoever's listening with a little bit of power, if you have, if you have the ear of the decision makers of the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament, eh, knock on their door, right? Give them a call, text them, leave a voicemail, hit up their DMs, messenger pigeon, smoke signals. How, uh, what else? Send a messenger. Singing telegram. Postcard. Harry Potter owl. I'm running out of stuff here. I didn't even read Harry Potter. Saw a couple of the movies. Call Koopy Cups. Went to the theme park. Call Koopy Cups. Have him deliver the message. 757 at 6. It's a Friday. It always gets a little crazy. 757 at 6 here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Robbie, we have the interview coming up next or after that? Correct. Yeah, okay. coming up next. We have Greeny. Mike Greenberg, the host of Greeny from uh, 10 to noon right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We spoke to him earlier this week. Uh, we've been talking about here on the 757 his book. Uh, we've been trying to assign numbers and things, so we thought, why don't uh, we give you the information straight from the author himself. Uh, conversation between myself and Mike Greenberg coming up next. Uh, for me, I'll, I'm going to get out of here, so I'm going to say have a great weekend. Robbie's going to close out the show with Robbie's roundout a little bit later on. So uh, until next week, from me, See you. Connecting with us now on the phone lines, Greeny. Mike Greenberg, host of Greeny, 10 to noon, right here on 94.1. Also, book released yesterday. Uh, got your number, the greatest sports legend and the numbers they own with Paul Hembo, as you know him. Uh, Mike, first of all, Greeny, thank you very much for taking the time. I want, I want to talk about the book, but first, I can't really look anywhere without seeing some kind of content from this new Michael Jordan movie, Air. And, uh, I started thinking we have Space Jam about his first retirement. We have The Last Dance about his last season. We have Air about his signing with Nike. Uh, You know, you famously covered Michael Jordan and those bulls. Is there a specific time period or an element of Michael Jordan that that you see or as the next subject of a big media entity, movie, documentary of some kind? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there when he played baseball. And I, I was covering Michael for a radio station in Chicago, and I was there. I, I started covering them in, in, uh, in the, the, the early 1992. So I was there. I did, I did not cover the first championship. I covered the second and the third uh, in 92 and 93. And then he retired from the NBA, and he went down to play baseball, first in Sarasota, Florida, in spring training, and then in Birmingham for the Birmingham Barons, who were managed by Terry Francona. And... Uh, stayed with baseball through spring training of 95, which you may recall was when they, uh, baseball had the um, scabs, what do you call mm-hmm. them, the, you know, the replacement players. Yep. And the, there was, I think, a real feeling that the owners were trying to wedge Michael in there and, and get him to sort of try and attract some fans and, and win over um, public sentiment. I, I think Michael's original plan was that he would go back to basketball 
um, for the complete season starting in the fall of 95. He decided to leave, I think, because of the strike or the, the work stoppage in early 95. And that's why he came back in March when he was really out of shape and wasn't himself wearing the number 45. And, and they wound up losing in the second round to Orlando. But um, that part of his life where I was, I was there to see a lot of it um, was really interesting. The, the, the degree to which he struggled in baseball was at times painful. The, the amount of backlash that they got from the baseball traditionalist community, if, if that's indeed a community, mm-hmm. <laughs> was, was, uh, was, you know, interesting. And I thought dramatically overdone. Um, and so I don't know how great a movie that would make, but it, it is something that I don't know that the entire story has ever really been written. And I, I was there to see a lot of it. And I think a lot of it was pretty interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he would be, you know, the, the story out there is that he was very supportive of the, the Nike movie. I'm not sure he'd be as supportive for like, let's go show my, my huge baseball struggles. But, uh, but you're right. right. It is something we, we haven't seen, uh, as, as much of, um, and speaking of questions or, or, or things that people might not want to see, perfect transition for you. Mike Greenberg joining the show, legendary Jets fan. Uh, why aren't the Jets seeming more worried that a Rodgers trade hasn't happened yet? Here's what I think. Um, and, and when I say I think this, I have reason to believe that Rodgers has indicated to the Jets that no matter when the trade were to happen, He's not coming until May. He wouldn't be in the building tomorrow. So they, they wouldn't be missing anything. They aren't currently missing anything with him. And I think he, he may have even, in fact, indicated that to the Jets, mm-hmm. if, you, if you take this thing up to the draft, they, meaning the Packers, will ultimately cave. Um, Rodgers has any number of trump cards up his sleeve if he wants to. If that trade doesn't get made and they have some sort of mini camp in Green Bay and Rogers sets foot on the premises, I can't even fathom the circus that would create, not to mention the fact that if he were to somehow get injured, they would be on the hook for $60 million. So he can force this thing to happen. He knows this trade will happen um, one way or the other. I understand why the Packers would be stretching this thing out as long as they can to try and get as much as they can. But in the end, the two sides will agree on something, and I believe it'll happen right before the draft. So round one of the draft is three weeks from tomorrow. If I had to bet on it, I would bet that we will get some news that, that they are close and then some news that it is done right before the draft. You know, call it Tuesday of that week, something like that. That would be my prediction. I, I will say, as a quick caveat, mm-hmm. If for whatever reason it doesn't happen by the draft, you know, the draft comes and goes. Now we have a really complicated situation because now the game of chicken becomes between Rodgers and the Packers. The Jets are practically out of it at that point. Um, the, the Packers are then in absolutely no hurry to make this happen. They actually have some financial benefit to stretching it out into June. They don't actually have to pay him the $60 million until the first weekend of the season so there um, becomes some, not some, there becomes legitimate concern of the thing getting really sideways. But, but, uh, but even I, the most pessimistic person <laughs> in the world, do not expect it to get to that. Mike Greenberg, host of Greeny, 10 to noon, joining us here. We're going to talk about his book, Got Your Number, The Greatest Sports Legends and the Numbers They Own, coming up in uh, just a minute or two. 
I, I, that's actually I hadn't heard that yet as to why they're waiting. As if as if Rogers has kind of given them the inside track, not only on his thinking but also the Packers' thinking. Does that come across a little Benedict Arnoldish to you, where? You know, he's on McAfee saying, you know, I, I hope the Packers do right by a franchise legend and, you know, arguably de- or debatably, whatever he said, the, the best player in franchise history. Meanwhile, he would be turning around and giving the Jets, you know, insider tricks on how the Packers are thinking because, you know, the 15 year relationship works both ways. Well, I don't think there's, first of all, I don't think there's anything really insider about it. I mean, everyone knows the, 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 the pressure that would exist on the Packers in the event that Rodgers is still on their roster when minicamp comes around. I, that's just me speculating, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I think it's, it's fairly evident to everybody. As far as telling them that he's not showing up until May anyway, look, I think the horse is so far out of the barn <laughs> when it comes to the relationship between the Packers front office and Rodgers. I think from the moment they drafted Jordan Love, they've been dead to him. And we could debate forever whether he has overreacted to that, whether it makes him too sensitive, all of that stuff. It, all of that is probably right. The answers to all those questions are probably yes. But that's what we're dealing with with him, and that's become quite evident. So, um, I, you know, I don't think he's telling the Jets anything that, that isn't fairly self-explanatory. I also think that in all sports and and in the NFL being no exception, those kind of conversations are going on Mm -hmm. through back channels all the time. Look, when the Jets beat the Packers at Lambeau field, whenever that was in October, they beat them pretty handily. The the Jets defense beat the hell out of Rogers that day. And Brees Hall ran all over them. Uh, It was very noticeable that, that Rogers that week on McAfee had glowing things to say about the Jets. He seemed to know their roster extraordinarily <laughs> well. I didn't think a lot about it at the time, but looking back on it now, does it seem that does it seem possible that he was already thinking this way and that and that who knows what kinds of conversations might have started <coughs> taking place around that time very much behind the scenes? Again, I'm not reporting that I know that. Please don't say Mike Greenberg is saying <laughs> this happened. There, there's it, the headline for the, our podcast already. <laughs> it feels possible, doesn't it? It certainly feels possible. What about OBJ? Is, is New York City big enough for both Aaron Rodgers and Odell Beckham Jr. on the same team? Hell yes. I mean, New York City is so big. <laughs> I was just having this conversation with someone today. So former President Trump was indicted on 34 felony counts in, in what, what could only be described as one of the most historic events in the history of the United States of America there were protesters up the yin-yang all over the place. And if you were more than five blocks away from the courthouse, you would never have known that was going on. New York City is so big. There is so much going on here at all times. When the Super Bowl was, I've covered 26 Super Bowls. There has never been any Super Bowl I've been to where when you arrive in the city, you don't immediately know the Super Bowl is going on. Everywhere you turn, there is signage, there are people, there is this, there is that. When the Super Bowl was in New York, if you weren't at one of the designated places where it was going on, you would never have known the Super Bowl was in New York. I would go down and see my parents in the village at their apartment. Nothing was different because (laughs) the Super Bowl was there. New York City, I always say this about New York to people. I'm born and raised here. New York is more. So all the things you love about big cities, New York is more. All the things you hate about big cities, New York is more. And that's just the reality of it. So New York City can easily it, – it could, it could chew up and spit out 
Aaron Rodgers and Odell Beckham and five other people if this thing goes sideways all at once. But there would also be no better place for either of them to rewrite whatever parts of the narrative of their respective careers need rewriting than if they were to do it here and they were to do it with this franchise that has been waiting 50 years for someone to take them there. Mike Greenberg, host of Greeny 10 to Noon, connecting with us on the phone lines here on the Tim Donnelly Show. Uh, Mike, let's talk about the book. What What is Got Your Number and how did you come up with the idea? It's obviously a, a pretty unique one. Yeah, so one day after the Get Up show, a bunch of us who work on the show were sitting around having a conversation. And the subject came up of how many Hall of Fame quarterbacks all wore the jersey number 12. Joe Namath, Bob Greasy, uh, Terry Bradshaw, Ken Stabler, Roger Staubach, Jim Kelly, and, and then eventually Rogers and Tom Brady uh, will, will obviously be in the Hall of Fame. And someone in the room said to me, yeah, Greeny, they all wore the number 12. But who owns the number 12? And literally a light bulb went off over the top of my head. And guys, I've written a few books before. I've always wanted to write a sports book. I never have for the simple reason that I never had a good enough idea. It's one thing to come up with an idea that can carry a 10-minute radio segment. It's another thing to come up with an idea that can carry a book. Suddenly, I finally had a good enough idea. So I called up my man, Hembo, who has been the best researcher in the business forever and has been with me since the Mike and Mike days. He's been working with me for almost 15 years. And I said, I want to come up. I've got this idea. We're going we're gonna to decide who owns every number in sports history from 1 to 100. You're going to do the research, and I'm going to write it. And so what we came up with is 100 short chapters. They're snackable. They're two or three pages each. So it's easy to sort of just pick up, read a few of them whenever you feel like it, and put it down. And the research in it is so extraordinary that I promise you that at least once in every chapter, so at least 100 times if you read this book, you will come across something that will make you say, wow, I did not know that. No matter how knowledgeable a sports fan you are, no matter how much you may think you know about the individual that we're writing about. So in the Babe Ruth chapter, the Michael Gordon chapter, the Wayne Gretzky chapter, the Muhammad Ali chapter, even the most famous, famous, famous of the famous people in sports, Hembo will have dug up something you didn't already know. So that's what the book is. It's partially sports debate because there were some really tough choices to be made, and I had to make them, and you're going to agree with some and disagree <laughs> with others. I'll give you an example. But then... But then the sports history piece of it is what actually appeals to me the most as one who grew up reading sports history and loving sports history um, is whether you agree or disagree with the choices I made. I hope that you will find uh, entertaining and insightful and, and fun to read the great history that we come up with on each of these. So let me give you a quick example if you guys have a second. Of course. The number 32. 32 could be Jim Brown. 32 could be Magic Johnson. 32 could be Sandy Koufax, 32 could be Marcus Allen, 32 could be O.J. Simpson, 32 could be a lot of different people. In your opinion, who owns the number 32 in sports history? I mean, after after you say him, I, I think I'm going to go off the beaten path and go Koufax. Good, fair. I mean, I, okay. I, I, I feel and, like I'm and, being quizzed. Was that the right answer or was that the wrong answer? No, no, no. Well, see, here's the thing. There is no right answer, except to say, as I point out in the book, these decisions in the book are being made by me and exclusively <laughs> by me. And it's kind of the very Roger Goodell of you. That's that's my idol, and uh, <laughs> they are being they are being made based on criteria that I alone selected. So I did not choose Kofax, although I think that is a 
a perfectly legitimate choice. And I did not choose Magic Johnson, which was one of the hardest decisions I had to make. I thought that's what you were baiting me into. I was trying to, I was, I thought you were trying to get me to go Magic. Well, it's worth pointing out that Magic wore number 33 in college. Hmm. And uh, while his pro career is one of the great careers of all time, an enormous part of his legend was the way he ushered in the era of March Madness and the legendary Mm. game he played against Bird in the championship and and winning the title with Michigan State and everything else. And he could not wear 33 when he got to the pros because that was Kareem's number. And so they gave him 32. So we went with Jim Brown. Mm. And um, I think so when when the the NFL had its 100-year anniversary, its centennial, it named the all-time team. And the two running backs on that team were Jim Brown and Walter Payton. And I, I believe that would still be the case today if you were to give that out. I think Tom Brady is the most accomplished football player that ever lived. Jerry Rice is probably right next to him based upon the statistical uh, accomplishments of his career. Brady, of course, with the championships and the winning. But if you ask me to pick the greatest, the best player that ever played football, I believe it is Jim Brown. And that is how I made the choice. If if you were to extrapolate Jim Brown's numbers, he retired very young. But if you were to extrapolate Jim Brown's career numbers, he remains the only running back in history to average over 100 yards rushing per game. If you were to extrapolate his averages over a 17-game season, he would have averaged over 1,770 rushing yards (laughs) per season for his career. Um, and that's what I mean about the history. We cannot act as though people that we did not get to see play don't matter. No one who covers presidential politics today will say, well, you know, I don't know much about FDR because that's before my time. Like, you need to know about the history of sports and able to be able to put things in context. And, and, and so that is what we did here. So there are a lot of older athletes in this book. It might appeal to some of the older listeners. Um, but I don't think a book like this could be complete without them. Uh, there are some that are much older than Jim Brown. Most of them, of course, are not. But in one of the toughest decisions we had to make, we went with Jim Brown. Saying Magic Johnson is certainly not wrong, mm. and neither is saying Sandy Koufax. And that's the beauty of the book. That's the debate part of this book. Some people are going to agree, and, and some are going to disagree. Mike Greenberg, host of Greeny. Also, we're talking about his book, Got Your Number, The Greatest Sports Legend and the Numbers They Own. Mike, you, you made the uh, the mistake of telling my producer we were the last of the day, so I'm going to sneak one more in here. Uh, Go. You, you, you know, I mean, you're aware of everything in media. It's all about uh, universes. It's all about franchises. Is the sequel going to go decimals? Is that is that the only place to go from here? <laughs> so, so people have been already started asking if we're going to do some sort of sequel you're talking about to the book, right? Of course. And, and yeah. And, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say the same thing I said at the beginning of the conversation. I'd love to write another sports (laughs) book. I just need another good idea. Like I don't, we've done this idea now. I love it. I'm so thrilled with this book. It is. I am more excited about this than anything I've ever done because I think, I think I finally found the right thing to do. This is the book I believe I was meant to write. And I really hope that fans, will enjoy it as much as I do. And I am so thrilled and gratified with the response that it is getting here in its first couple of days. Um, I don't know that there is another list kind of book that, that I have in mind that would work. So if I get a good enough idea, I'd be glad to do it. Mm. Um, someone suggested to me, maybe you do the years, which is to say, 
<laughs> take Not every bad. year in sports for the last hundred years or something like that. Who owned 1923, 1924, 1925, and all in all through? Feels a little contrived. Like it just feels a little too similar to this. Um, it's not a terrible idea, though. It's, it's someone just literally tweeted it at me today, um, and uh, and and so that's not a bad idea. Maybe we'll try and use some derivation of that. Um, but so my answer to your question is, if I can think of a good enough idea, I would love to do a sequel. I just need to come up with something. And and finally, you know, I have the 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 press right here in front of me. We actually have, I believe, one of the books ordered, but it, we haven't gotten it yet. Uh, which person in history history owns every number one to a hundred? Were you furious when the NFL voted to allow zeros? <laughs> so we, we talked about zero. There have been zeros. Um, and, and there have been players who wore zero and, and some who were good enough to, to deserve at least some consideration. But we really did like the idea of having exactly a hundred. And a hundred, the, I didn't want to go zero to 99 because, A, that just feels stupid. Incomplete. Yep. Yep. Agreed. And, and B, um, 100 is such a good number. Um, so, for example, um, but do you know who I gave 100 to? I assume Will. That's correct. We gave 100 to Will. Got Campbell. one right. All right, I'm one for I, one. I, I believe if you, if you asked 1,000 sports fans who holds the record for most points scored in a game and how many was it, they would all say Will Chamberlain and he scored 100. If you asked those same people what jersey number did he wear, I bet you far less than half would know. And and so that's why th- there is a lot of that in this book. We gave people the number they are associated to, not always their jersey number. And so um, I couldn't leave out a hundred, and I, I didn't. I, so so yes, we were we considered zero, and we ultimately decided against it. Mike, we appreciate you for for stopping by the show. Good luck with the book, and and uh, we'll keep listening to everything you're putting out, whether it's Get Up, Greeny, uh, NBA Countdown, all, all of it. So uh, we appreciate you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Well, thank you. And if I could just mention very quickly, if anyone is interested in personalized autographed copies of the book, I've learned over the years that people like to get that at Happy Birthday, Frank, mm-hmm. or Happy Father's Day, or whatever the case may be. If, if you go to my Twitter page, at ESPN Greeny, pinned to the top of the page, there is a link you can click on there, and you can order personalized autographed books to be uh, delivered to you. So, you know, any any message you want written in there by Hembo and me and signed, you can get them there. So, Pinned to the top of my Twitter page at ESPN Greedy. Easy to find. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate it. You got it, fellas. Thank you. Once again, that is Mike Greenberg, host of Greeny, every day at 10 a.m. right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Again, that book launched yesterday, available everywhere yesterday. Got your number, the greatest legends and the numbers they own, uh, written with his his producer, Hembo, who you recognize from the radio show. Uh, the book is available on Disney Books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and more. And you just heard him mention it. If you uh, follow him on Twitter, at ESPN Greeny, his pinned tweet, Pinned tweet, that is, will we'll, uh, let you know how to get a personalized copy.